Um, I'm here with Larry King on the first edition of the Inclusivity and Diversity podcast with the Open STEM Network. Hello, Larry. Welcome. How are you doing? Hi. How are you doing, Raymond? I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. How's things down in Atlanta? How's the weather? Oh, things in Atlanta are fine. It's springtime. Uh, the trees are budding out and blossoming. So it's, it's, it's a good time to be alive. Lovely. I, over here in, in Dublin, it's the complete opposite. We have gloomy clouds, it's grey, it's cold, still in our winter coats, unfortunately. <laughs> but sure, look, Larry, um, I had a read of your white paper and I was going through your social media and some of your work and what you do. And I have to say, it really stood out to me as um, a young woman in STEM, as a, a woman of colour. The statistics, oh. seeing them on paper, were um, eye-opening. Uh, I suppose some experiences you experience through your like through life and then other things you don't realize the seriousness of them until you see the sure. statistics until you see um you know 61 percent of women versus 30 35 percent of white men feel they have to prove themselves more and that really stands out to you like that that's a big jump there 61 percent to 35 percent um, but before we go into the white paper and your research work, um, Larry, let's hear a bit about you and how you came to be the researcher you are now and the work you, you've done. Well, okay, good. I'm, I'm flattered to be uh, be in this poor ca- uh, podcast and participate with you guys in the uh, in the Open STEM Network uh, and discussing uh, equity and, and diversity. It's an interesting subject. Uh, but first, I want to maybe set, set a couple of uh, parameters. I'm going to limit my comments basically to you know my own experiences. That's the only experience I can talk about with any uh, any authority as an African American male uh, with a background in in, in mechanical engineering. Um, you know, of course, I've worked in technical sales, uh, public health, uh, polymer science research, uh, international uh, market development, industrial components, a whole range of different things. It's given me the opportunity to travel quite a bit globally. And um, um, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm glad to participate in this. I, I began my career, uh, I guess, in the late 70s. Uh, and um, at that point, um, many of the jobs that I had starting out as, as a young engineer, um, I was the only person in the engineering department team that looked like me. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, since then, I've been inspired by a whole lot of people that I've met over the years, uh, engineers and, and scientists who had similar backgrounds. And um, all of that basically helped me um, sort of define what my mission is. And that's basically to assist as many uh, young people uh, as I can to accept the, uh, the hard work and discipline that it takes to have a career in engineering and, and science. And hopefully, hopefully they'll end up being the next Katherine Johnson or the next uh, Percy Julian. Okay. That's exactly it. And I, 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 yeah. I, I think you mentioned there in your um, report even um, that there's almost a lack of group grooming for minority ethnic youth to take on senior leadership positions in their, um, in their field. Um, so very happy to hear that that's one of your goals now to, to, to help the younger generation take on those positions, um, Larry. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that, that we, we do in, in the articles that uh, appear in, in our newsletter is basically use the voices and experiences of people like myself who've been in corporate America, been in higher education, 
to share with the younger people that are coming up behind us uh, some of the things that they're going to have to deal with and, and learn how to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't have as many of those um, examples when we were coming along at that point to, to tell us what to do, what not to do, and that kind of thing. And, um, and, and so that's important to have, have that as a, as a resource today. Mm-hmm. And almost taking on that mentor um, to your leadership position um, as, 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 this, as the um, individual that you are. But just there, you touched on uh, working in corporate America, but also traveling um, extensively right. with your work um, throughout the world. Um, is there anything that really stands out to you through your experiences, um, whether, you know, just through your everyday experiences while traveling or through your work and traveling? Well, sort of, sort of both, you know, um, on, on the subject of, of diversity and equity, and really life, um, all of the traveling that I've done, and even when I haven't been traveling, uh, I've, I'm sort of a work in progress as far as equity and diversity are, is concerned. So I've learned um, a little bit about life, about other cultures, um, whether I'm in, in, in Dublin, whether I'm in, well, I've never been to Dublin, uh, whether I'm in, in Hong Kong or Antwerp or um, Los Angeles or Frankfurt, it's always an, a, a learning and growing experience. Uh, I've also always been interested in history. Mm-hmm. So whenever I visit a place, if there's something there or nearby that uh, I remember from, from my early education in learning world history or American history, I'll try to visit if I can to see what it, what it really looks like then and compared mm-hmm. to what I've read about and talk to some people and it's it's just been a, a growing a growing experience. Yeah. And how have you how do you feel your traveling and your I suppose your historic knowledge, meeting different people, uh, working in different fields has fed into your work today? Well it's 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 helped me, you know, um, uh, immigration and, and 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 culture and language and gender, uh, all of that fits in and it helps it has helped me grow to be a better friend a better co-worker uh, a better mentor yeah uh, all, of, all of those experiences have, have yeah and I, and I remember we were we were talking about this the other day because we had a quick chat and you were kind of mentioning um that you know being a colored man in India is very different to being uh, an African-American in Japan or, you know, in Frankfurt or whatnot. And then and that, that, that took us into the conversation of um, yeah, yeah, yourself yeah. and presenting yourself. And I, I was telling you about my, my concept of the extra self and as, as an, a minority ethnic youth and as a woman and, you know, in STEM, in the field that uh-huh. I'm in, um, kind of coming into a space and having to present my most eloquent self and my most well-behaved self, and my most mannered sure, self. Sure, and we, sure, we, that you sure. talk about that as well where you know women engineers report that there's a narrow range of behavior behavior that is accepted of them compared to their male peers and I was wondering in your in your own experiences now with your work do you ever feel that you had to present a different Larry to the Larry at home or a different Larry from one field to another certainly you know I've always believed that each of us are three persons Mm -hmm. We're, we're the person that that others see we're the persons that we try to project mm-hmm. others to see. And then there's the real person. Mm-hmm. Okay. So whether you're uh, uh, a, a minority or a woman moving into a, an environment 
that's different from the one that you came from, all of those things factor into it. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember uh, on my first trip to, uh, to Brazil and I was uh, having, a, a, after the, the, the business part of the meeting, we were you know, getting acquainted with each other, myself and the uh, president of the company, the, my host and all that kind of thing. And he mentioned to me that um, he was surprised that the company that I was working for at the time sent a black man to represent them, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so that opened up a whole range of, of discussions, you know, between he and I and, and all the rest of that. I had a, a, a different experience. I remember the first time I presented a technical paper in Amsterdam, um, I wasn't prepared for the fact that the audience, well, I knew the audience was gonna be European, but I hadn't really factored into the fact that um, each of them would be hearing what I'm saying through an interpreter. Ah. So I had my prepared remarks. And as just before I began my presentation, it occurred to me that I may not be, have to say it exactly the way I had planned to say it because the translation into German, the translation into French will be totally different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, by the time I got to, to visit uh, Japan for the first time, I considered myself pretty well ex experienced and prepared for that <laughs> type of a, of, a, of a situation. Because you know you have to say what you're gonna say, you have to wait for the interpreter to say it, then you have to wait for the person to react to what the interpreter says. And then the interpreter has to tell you what yeah. the, the audience, so, you know, so <laughs> it, it makes for a long discussion, <laughs> but it's but it's good, it's good. That, mm -hmm. and that, and that, it gave you give me a chance to to grow and develop and to get closer to the audience or the people that was I can imagine the frustration of trying to take academic language and research from one language to another and having to keep in mind uh, translation yeah. well, well the, the technical <laughs> part of it was the technical part of it is 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 transferable in any language mm. it's translatable in any language but but you know you, when you talk about the applications or you talk about other aspects of it um that's when the culture and the language, you know, factors into it. One, one thing, let me give you an example. Um, a lot of times in a, in a presentation, a person will say something that's humorous or a joke. Yeah. Well, all jokes don't translate the same way in a different language. So yeah. you have to be very, very careful about, about that. And uh, I never had any bad experiences, but I, I was always sensitive to, to that. Mm. Uh, better yeah. to be aware than end up with a foot in the mouth. <laughs> oh, sure. You don't, you don't want to be embarrassing. The, the, the one time that I was embarrassed when I was in Osaka, Japan. Okay. And we were driving around the city and they were showing me the sights. And I said to uh, my host, who was my Japanese language interpreter, where are all the trees? You know. Okay. And they the response was, well, they all got burned up during the war when the U.S. was bombing. Oh. And I felt about that big. Yeah. <laughs> you know? oh. I mean, I should have known that. The room went cold, yeah. I'd imagine. <laughs> Just a dead pun. <laughs> yeah. So oh, everything, wow. was, everything was quiet for a while. 
Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But uh, that's that's, and I feel again with with that comes your your knowledge and comes your experiences. And mm-hmm. one thing that you said to me the other day that really stood out to me was you were saying diversity and inclusivity um, isn't just you know something that has just popped up in the last couple of years but it is an, an, an economic necessity and I'd, I'd love to hear a bit more of your thoughts on that um, because I I went away with that and I can't I was like I've never thought of it as, as an economic necessity I was thinking of more of an oh, sure. egalitarian um, way well yeah yeah okay, I can understand it here in the U.S. with our demographics changing so much and at some point in maybe another 30 to 50 years, uh, we're gonna be a, a majority minority nation, mm. okay? And so the reason that I say it's an economic imperative that we get more women and more people of color involved in leadership position is because that's who we're gonna have available. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it just it just makes sense. So it's not, an altruistic or egalitarian reason. It's a reason of economic necessity from, mm-hmm. from my standpoint, okay? Yeah, and I, I really like that. And you mentioned- and, and, and minorities moving into positions in higher education and corporate, and they're there in numbers to achieve equity. Mm-hmm. But are they really being included in the operations of the business and decision making that's the difference okay so so um let me try and make sure that i'm understanding this now because you have a seat at the table doesn't necessarily mean um i don't know where i'm going with that now that's actually mean that 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 you're 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 an authentic uh part of the decision making process i've heard many women and many minorities say, okay, I was in the room, but when I made my comments or made my contribution, uh, it was basically ignored. Yeah. And when a white person made the same thing, Mm -hmm. that idea got accepted. So that's, you know, so, so being in the room or at the table doesn't necessarily mean that you, you're being included. A hundred percent. And something I realized my own work is that Sometimes, unfortunately, as the other, you're you're there just to tick a box. Oh yeah, yeah. Which is yeah. A, which is a big thing. It's an yeah, it's a yeah, definitely yeah. an issue, but yeah. I, that's in the sense I suppose that's why this work is so important because we still have a long way to go. And I I remember remember I was telling you the other day like we have CEO you know higher up senior staff members and then the bottom tier is like the diversity that you know on the posters and everything. But right right. Yeah, yeah I, I had I had one experience in a company that I worked for, um, and they put out a new flashy brochure mm-hmm. about all the great research they were doing. Mm-hmm. And in that brochure was a picture of a a black woman in a lab coat with a test tube and a beaker. Mm-hmm. Now, because I worked there, I knew that there was no person like that in the research staff. That person was actually a secretary. Uh-huh. Oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, come on, put on a lab coat so there. <laughs> I, I went directly to human resources and I said, you can't do that. Yeah. You cannot publish that kind of a brochure suggesting that you have a diverse workforce when actually you don't. 
And of course, uh, that wasn't received that well, but they, mm -hmm. they did not publish those brochures. Yeah, fair play, Larry. One thing I also experienced on that note was um, facilitating for a conference uh, a couple of years back. And then afterwards I realized, oh, they're getting paid for this. I'm not getting paid for this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody told me we were getting Nobody paid. Nobody told you, right. right. Yeah, because one of the girls mentioned like, oh, did your pay come in for blah? And I was like, wait a second. Looks like, yeah, right. Who's <laughs> <laughs> <was> getting paid? <laughs> you know, so it, it really is. And it, it is, you have to stand your ground and, you know, like you said, walk down straight to HR, you know, Yep, this isn't yep. acceptable this isn't okay yep. and that that's the issue with um another thing I, I you mentioned last time actually with the the first there's a lot of firsts a first this uh -huh. and a first that and everything and it, it, you know it's like okay we're, we're, we're still doing firsts you know we need to go yeah, past yeah. this and yeah. up above and beyond but uh right, yeah no 100 percent, right. larry um <laughs> <laughs> once you get into it you, like you would actually need to sit down with a therapist i would say and just let it all out because some of it is very uh, i'd say taxing uh, psychologically and emotionally uh, for me yeah, anyway it, it is it is and, and that's something that um that's caused um uh a lot of women and a lot of minorities to actually leave the field of stem mm -hmm. because you know you get you get plateaued at a certain level and you recognize that you really can't have a career mm -hmm. okay so you leave mm -hmm. you know and um, so that's 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 a problem that's being still worked on. We're still working on that. Yeah, yeah. or <laughs> I even say we, I mean everybody. Everybody, or even um, I I remember my um, secondary school. So my high school English and history teacher was a woman from Nigerian descent, and uh -huh. uh, she was applying for a senior position in 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 the school, and they said, "Oh, we would give it to you, but you're you're overly qualified as it is." Oh yeah. Like yeah, sorry, you've done enough. Overly qualified. Thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're you've done enough already. You don't need something else on your CV. And um, she she told me this at 16 at the time. She was very upset. And we weren't a very diverse school, so we were. I, I was very close to her in that sense. But she was like, "Can you? I don't know what to do." And I was like, "I would leave. I would leave." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but right. that that's that's it. Like it's it's those microaggression comments where it's like your English is very good, or where are you from? And you're kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, you know, and that's that's another way of of us realizing mm -hmm. just what the differences in culture mean or significant. You know, someone saying to you or to saying to me, "Oh, your English is so good," mm -hmm. which means they didn't expect you. Mm -hmm. You know, they had no expectations of you being able to express yourself. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you and know? you're trying to meet expectations that um, you shouldn't really be trying to meet. Exactly. You know, like you are above and beyond what what you you they expect you to be and you're you're trying to prove the little things you know right yeah, yeah. and yeah no it is but i don't know you've gone through it any advice for the young people coming up that are dealing with these things well, um, advice for me keeping us safe yeah basically is uh have confidence in yourself uh know your know your subject know your your discipline and and don't take no for an answer yeah don't take no for an answer. 100%. When when an opportunity is denied you or a door closes, another one will open. Mm -hmm. It'll be open by by timing or by something that you've done. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. don't don't frust be frustrated by an opportunity that's denied. It's just being delayed. A hundred percent.
Yeah. And I think we all reach the point when we're working in, in these fields, be it STEM, be it education, be it uh-huh. media, you know your worth, you know? Oh, yeah. Walk in there and you know what you're worth. Do not take yeah. Yeah. Right. anything but 100% there. Well, uh-huh. I was I wanted to give you a minute just to, for those at home who haven't read it, haven't heard of it yet, um, why they should read it, what it's all about, what your next edition is going to be about and kind of where it started off and where it's going. Yeah, well, the, the newsletter that's currently on our uh, on our website now uh, speaks to um, the uh, the culture that that women face and how that's changing in higher education and in STEM careers, traditional STEM careers. Mm-hmm. The next uh, white paper is going to be discussing advanced manufacturing technologies. Okay. Okay. And um, you know, manufacturing uh, is really the the driver to most economies around the world and has been, you mm-hmm. know. And with the advent of uh, um, uh, computerization, digitization, those types of things, manufacturing is no longer something you do just with your hands and machines. It's done virtually with uh, 3D design. Uh, it's you know, with, with programs and algorithms, it's, it's totally different. Mm-hmm. So our next white paper is going to be discussing that from the standpoint of um, um, the, uh, the workforce today and some of the developments that have, uh, uh, are being created and applied. Okay, okay, that's interesting. That, that will make a good read now as well Uh, (laughs) yeah no but technology in a sense uh uh, over exaggerating here but is taking over and it's very much part of our everyday lives whether you have a smartwatch or a phone or you know and all it goes all goes back to manufacturing and i feel like i personally don't know enough about um that start that side of the stem um universe so that's manufacturing in at least in the u.s manufacturing was basically something that people did with their hands and they made mm-hmm. one thing at a time. Okay. Mm-hmm. There was a, a, a gentleman by the name of Eli Whitney. Mm-hmm. Okay. He is best known for inventing the cotton gin. Mm-hmm. Now the cotton gin was a machine that basically separated the seeds out of cotton. You know, when you pick cotton on a plant, it had the seeds in it. Yeah. So you couldn't take it directly from that into a mill to make uh, cotton clothing and and yarn, you had to take the seeds out first. Mm -hmm. So his invention was to to take the seeds out. He also came up with invention of a process called, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Oh man, it slips my mind right now. Go on. Um, (laughs) Assembly line. Okay, yeah. No, I, I vaguely now, remember this now from, yeah, from... Now, now, so his, his uh, invention with the assembly line basically had to do with making muskets during the Revolutionary War and Civil War, uh, Revolutionary War in the United States. Muskets used to be produced one musket at a time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Eli Whitney came up with interchangeable parts. Mm-hmm so that you could make a whole host of muskets, okay? You quickly move from that into a gentleman by the name of Henry Ford. Mm -hmm. 
Henry Ford applied Eli Whitney's um, assembly line practice into making automobiles. Yeah, that's so the name that, I know. <laughs> that was correct. And that was the big, uh, that's how manufacturing uh, grew and developed that. And of course, the, the wars that we went through, World War One and World War Two, where manufacturing was basically why um, the war was was won. Yeah, yeah. And wars were then seen as quick and easy as oh, sure. opposed to sure. having to meet on a battlefield and set up. Sure. Um, so, you know, manufacturing, two sides, uh, two sides yeah. of the same wheel. So, Good or you know, bad. Just one aspect of, of, of engineering and manufacturing, how that affected lives and politics and all the rest of that. The same thing is happening today. For mm -hmm. example, there's a worldwide shortage in semiconductors. Okay because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Most semiconductors are made in China and in Japan. When they shut down and quit making semiconductors, that made the automobile industry shut down because all of the automobiles use semiconductors mm -hmm. and our entertainment devices. So that's why the prices for those are high or you can't get them. And so again, there's a relationship between engineering and science as semiconductors are concerned to what's going on with the economy, what's going on with different cultures mm -hmm. and all the rest of that, okay? It's a, a domino effect, so. Yes, yes, Never exactly. ha Whatever happens in the STEM world, in, in the manufacturing world, affects That's the economy and then affects where, yeah, and then, you know, where people live and where people are staying and getting their jobs and graduating sure. if they are. Um, if they're graduating, yeah. If they're graduating at this point, because <laughs> COVID yeah. has everybody up in the air. And, and just there on that note there, Larry, how are you doing? How has um the, the pandemic um affected you and your work? Or are you, I know you're still well, going uh, out for your daily runs from what I hear. Yeah, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I tutor math um on, on the side. And of course, uh, when the COVID hit, uh, we went away from in-person tutoring. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and we transitioned gradually into virtual tutoring of math uh, and other courses. Um, and it's made a, a big, big impact. There's not as many students. Uh, it's, it's uh, you now have to use technology more to help a student with a math problem mm -hmm. than we did previously. For example, I could sit down and, and really work through a, a, a youngster's process with factoring a polynomial. Mm -hmm. But now I have to do that and we're talking on a screen like we are now mm -hmm. and we're sharing pictures back and forth. It's, it, it's a lot, it's challenging. Yeah. But it can, it can be done, but it can be done. Okay. And it's um, about getting used to it almost. Yeah, it just has to get, to get used to it. Um, the, the education that youngsters are, are receiving today is different than what I received and probably what you received as well. Mm -hmm. Because now it seems that students, be they in elementary school education, their early education, or whether they're going into college, they're more directed at determining what the answer to a problem is than understanding the process involved with achieving the answer, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay? Because they've got their handheld computer, 
They've got their TI 85 or whatever it is. They've got their cell phone and they've got the internet. Yeah. So they have a problem that they want to solve. They just put it, the problem up on the screen and the answer pops up. Yeah. They have no idea how that answer arrived. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, yeah. We're, we're going yeah. from A to C without knowing that there's a exactly. B. Yeah, exactly. no, I, and I, I see that with um, with young people uh, as an educator myself, young young uh-huh. children, where they know you can order things from oh, you yeah. know online, but they don't know that it's coming from a shop or from a warehouse or that you know you could buy the same thing from from the stores, and uh-huh. they're like, oh, no, mom, mommy got this from Amazon, and you're like, oh, you, mommy, you can buy that in the shop? No, 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 it's just on Amazon, and you're you know, so there is that right, right. that disconnect with, um, I don't want to say reality, but does that disconnect with the world that we grew up in. And there isn't, uh, you know, with, within two generations, you know, there is a huge exactly. uh, disconnect that we're exactly. seeing. And I wonder where the world will take us next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. But, um, sure, Larry, um, the best of luck with your next issue of the white paper. And, thank you, thank you. And hopefully, hopefully maybe we'll have you back. Within, within a couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah. And we'll keep an eye out for that. And hopefully we'll have you back maybe after. And we'll, we'll keep in touch and stay safe. Yeah.